Thank you, Kevin. So an introduction to food banks, if you were unsure as to, uh, to what they do, the service that they provide. And a few weeks ago, uh, Reverend Gordon Newton used the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 to share the story of the Trussell Trust and the origin of food banks. And I wanted to use that really as a platform to expand on the work of food banks today uh, and focusing particularly on our links with our local food bank distribution centre, which is based at Westminster Chapel, just half a mile down the road. Now, within five months of me arriving in London in 2014, my, my husband had a birthday, and, and I wanted to take him out for a meal. Uh, but I didn't know London at all well. So I did what any self-respecting individual would do uh, and logged on to TripAdvisor. Uh, but I got more than a bargain for, because according to TripAdvisor, there are 11,098 restaurants in London. That's without counting all the different coffee shops and little cafes. And it just got me thinking, you can see that I've got too much time on my hands here now. It just got me thinking, if, if I were to have a meal in each of those restaurants, my breakfast here, in one restaurant, my lunch here in another, and then my dinner in another, how long would it take me to visit each of those restaurants on TripAdvisor? Well, before you start taking your shoes and socks off and getting your calculators out, I'll tell you, 10 years. It would take me 10 years to visit a restaurant that's quoted on TripAdvisor. Research also reveals that in the UK, this is you guys here, Londoners dine out most frequently. Twice a week, sometimes two, three times a week, maybe even four times a week. We like our food here in London. And why wouldn't we? We have every cuisine under the sun. So you may say, where's all this leading, Kina? Well, it struck me that London plays host to numerous restaurants, yet it also includes many of the population who do not even have the most basic of necessities. And I feel very uncomfortable about that. Food affluence sits right next to food poverty. And it's happening right here in Westminster. Food banks were set up to combat that food poverty. But is it right that something which began as a way of providing an occasional stopgap in an emergency has now actually become the norm? It's almost as if we're not shocked by this anymore. Food poverty, we'll just set up a food bank and we're sorted. No, we're not sorted, actually. I think that food banks want to put themselves out of business, not because it's become a chore, it hasn't, quite the opposite. They want a fairer society where everyone has the means to provide their own food. That's what I mean when I say I think food banks actually want to put themselves out of business.
So what does the Bible have to say about this? Well, you'll know that social injustice isn't new. And the requirement to protect the helpless is a feature of the Israelite law. Isaiah urges his community, get your priorities right. The rescue of the oppressed is to be followed by positive action, to provide food, shelter and clothing to those that need them. God had used his great power to save Israel from slavery in Egypt. And so the citizens now among God's people should use their power to set the oppressed free, to share your food with the hungry. Now you appreciate this. You cannot, cannot separate your worship from everyday life. What happens in here impacts on your life out there, in your communities, in your homes, where you work, where you study. We worship a righteous God and our lives need to reflect his righteousness. The worship I want is justice for the poor, bread for the hungry, is how we might summarize God's desire. And God wasn't just simply asking worshippers to share their daily bread. He was addressing their life as a nation, their economic systems and their laws. They were allowing the poor to be oppressed. They were allowing the stranger to go hungry. And God was calling for change. God was warning that a society that ignored these things did not have a future. But this was only part of a greater whole. While God required immediate practical help for those in need, he had things to say about systems that locked people into poverty. Exodus chapter 23 includes some verses where a system is spelled out which will be considered radical in today's society. And it's right there in the book of Exodus. God's vision of a new society was one that deliberately and generously made provision for those in need. So when we hear that, what is our response as a church? The Methodist Church website, and it's a very good website actually, has a link titled, I want to help change the world. And when you tap on that, you'll see the issues that the Methodist Church is involved in within the work of justice, of peace, the integrity of creation, and being a prophetic voice. So we're all Isaiahs, really. Methodists, as you know, have had a long-standing engagement with social issues that stretches right back to the time of John and Charles Wesley. Do you want to change the world? I want to change the world in the name of Jesus. The church has a voice. 
We've got a voice, people, and it's an important voice. Did you hear the comment towards the end of that video? Five million people getting involved in their local communities and the lead is being taken by churches up and down the nation. God has deep concerns about food, how it's provided and how it is shared. And food banks are a sign that the world is not as God intended it to be. But they also reflect our commitment to identify when things are wrong and to work towards the world being more in line with God's ideal. Jesus often described this as God's coming kingdom. And so through these food banks, Christians are able to express key gospel values and declare something of the faith that defines us. And in real and practical ways, we are sharing our bread with one another. We're welcoming the stranger. We're loving our neighbor and acting as stewards of God's creation and provision. We're connecting with people, hearing and providing a place where not only immediate needs can be met, but broader issues considered. One of the valuable things uh, that food banks provide, and you may have picked up on this again in the film, is the opportunity for a visitor to tell their story and to be listened to with respect. There's a non-judgmental conversation taking place here. And it's very welcome for people who have often struggled quietly, not even telling friends or colleagues of the difficulties that they're experiencing, but having that opportunity at food banks to be able to talk openly and to know that they are valued and they those conversations can be as important a service as the food parcel itself. And many would argue that in an ideal world, food banks should not be necessary. And the image of Jesus being the bread of life, as Mike read to us, is a really powerful one. Because when we pause and think about it, and bread, bread sustains life. Without bread, life cannot go on. But the life Jesus is referring to is so much more than mere existence. It's about life in all its fullness. And so as long as food banks are necessary, Christians can be a blessing to their communities through them. It's been said that food banks are a sign that God's people are called to transform our world. But they also serve as a sign of deeper questions that need to be asked. So let's make this personal now. We've spoken about the Bible, we've spoken about the church. But what is your response because the situation admittedly is, is complex and hunger in the UK is increasing. 
And we as Christians cannot ignore the deeper questions if we're to explore what what can be done to end this need. And I hope that this service today enables us to make those connections as we affirm God's sense of justice for those who are vulnerable in our society. As we learn what it means to be God's people and to build God's kingdom here on earth, we must ask the questions of justice that inevitably emerge through the existence and the ministry of the food bank movement. And by asking these questions ourselves, we can become equipped to address them to those in our society. When we understand the story, we can tell the story to others. We can tell them to those in our society who have the power and the influence to affect the wealth and the well-being of those who are most in need. So what can you do? Hopefully in your service sheet, you will have a flyer. Can I ask you to take that away today with you? It's two-sided, both sides are important. And on the one side, it will let you know the shopping list that we get from Westminster Chapel Food Bank. On the other side, it will give you some ideas of things that you can do to change your world, as it says on the Methodist website, and to change your community. You can write to your MP. That is an effective way of letting them know of your concern, telling them and reminding them about the work your food bank is doing. If you haven't got time to write a unique letter, you can send them a short letter and you'll find one on the Methodist Church website on Joint Public Issues team. They've done a letter for you. And so you can just print it off and send it. Job done. As I say, refer to your food bank list there and and bring an item. You don't have to bring everything on there. If you just bring a tin of beans or something, collectively... You know, it makes a difference. And even if you don't want to lug all your shopping onto the tube, plenty of supermarkets have got food bank dispensers there, and you can just put your food in there if you don't want to bring it all the way to Westminster. Or maybe, as I say, Westminster Chapel is just half a mile down the road. You may feel that you can volunteer your time. Be that listening gear. Be that person that makes a cup of tea. And just as a chat, you might say, do you know, that's something I can do. But before I say any more, we're going to have a look at another video now. And I'll ask Kevin to switch that on. Uh, You may recognize the person here. We're making this a bit more local now. This is what happens here in Westminster. If we can dim the lights again, please. Hello and welcome to Methodist Central Hall, Westminster. You've probably seen this box in the hall as you come to worship each Sunday and it's there for you to place your donations in for the Westminster Church's food bank at Westminster Chapel. But have you ever stopped to wonder what happens to your donations? Well, if you come with me, I'll take you on a journey and I'll show you. Well, welcome to the fourth floor and to our storage room here. This is where we keep the donations and they're moved up here every Sunday after church. 
you've got an idea here of some of the donations that are made and we're advised by Westminster Chapel of what food they actually need at that particular time. So we keep the food here for about four to six weeks and we're now going to bag that up ready for it to be collected and taken to the food bank. So now we've bagged all of the food up and with the help of the porters we brought it to the back of the building where we're waiting for the taxi to arrive now to transport it all down to Westminster Chapel. Now you know that taxis are quite small and there's not going to be enough room for everyone so I'll go by car but you'll have to make your own way down there and I'll see you later. Uh, Westminster Chapel at the food bank. This is Heather. Let me introduce you to her. She's the food bank manager here. And Heather, I'm just wondering what kind of people actually use the food bank? Right, so the people that come to food bank come from a different background. So we have people who are single, we have couples, we have families, we have people who are on benefits who's waiting to be assessed. We also have people who are working on zero hour contracts, people on minimum wage, or we get a number of people at the moment who are allowed to stay in the country without recourse to the government, which basically means they're not entitled to claim anything. That could be anything from a year up to three years they're not allowed to claim, so they have to either find a job during that time or depend on food banks. They come with a voucher and it entitles them to, we say, three days worth of food. But to be honest, it probably lasts longer. It all depends on somebody's appetite. But okay, we say yeah, three yeah. days, depending on that. And the package will include something that can have a breakfast, lunch, dinner. So we have cereals, we have soup, we have biscuits, we have tinned meat or pulses for vegetarians. Mm -hmm. We have tea or coffee or hot chocolate. We also now include some um, items of household products and toiletries, just to make sure, because if people are looking for work, they need to find a way to actually the increase we're seeing is in the number of families now coming to us. Um, predominant when I started, it was predominantly single men, 35 plus, mainly because of demographics of where we're based and the hostels around. We're now seeing families coming through and often, often families with a large amount of children because of the cap on benefits that's now impacting in that area as well. So we're starting to see a change in that. So they come in, we'll offer them um, a cup of tea, something to eat, and a relaxed environment when they come in. We then check through the voucher, just mm -hmm. to check it's the right person that has the voucher, yeah. but also to check what's on the voucher, how many people it's for, mm -hmm. and also that it's completed correctly. So the vouchers usually tells us the, the cause of the crisis, why somebody's here mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. so that we can keep evidence for when we're talking to government bodies, that sort of thing, we can reflect that back to them as well. It's great to hear that, that whole relationship building, because... Um, I'm guessing people will be really nervous coming yes. here and I think it's that welcome, that chat, yeah. that cup of tea mm -hmm. and just yeah. to calm them down a bit yes. and, and it is make a big difference to, to the guests. Yeah. So there you go, that's what happens to the food that you donate. So you not only learn something of the story of the food that you've given but also the people that it helps. 
So I hope that you're encouraged to continue giving, or if you've never given before, perhaps just bring one item to church one Sunday, and collectively they make a difference to people. And if you've ever thought of uh, volunteering, you don't have to do every week or every day, but just prayerfully consider it to see if there's something you can do to help your community in Westminster.